Hey everybody, uh, happy Remembrance Day. This is the day we're doing on recording. It's not, you know, this won't be released on Remembrance Day. Joe's not that fast of an editor. We would like to acknowledge no. before going through Wakanda Forever, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. He, uh, he, he, even though he passed away two years ago, he still, to me personally, was one of the best actors in the MCU. Very charismatic. One of the one of the best actors of his generation in general, really. Absolutely, one of the best. I I knew him since uh, forty two, the Jackie Robinson movie, and yeah. you know, there's all a bunch of little stuff he did, and uh, it's it's sad that he's not alive with us anymore, but his spirit will live on in these movies, and yeah, that's basically all I have to say. Yeah. We also found out today, as of the time of this recording, that Kevin Conroy died as well, and that's that's hitting us hard too, and makes us and we're doing Wakanda forever, so we're thinking about him, we're thinking about Chadwick, we're just kind of sad. Oh. Yeah, lots of fanboying and grieving as big fans of these people. Well, let's let's not dwell on the rest in tragedy. peace, Kevin Conroy. He is Batman. We will do we'll yeah. do a full episode, a full tribute to Kevin Conroy. In a couple weeks, yeah. A couple weeks. We're just still a little in shock at the moment. It's too fresh. But let's... I'd say let's not dwell on the sadness, but Wakanda Forever is kind of in its entirety about Chadwick Boseman's yeah. passing. But <laughs> let's just get into this. Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Today, Ryan and I review Wakanda Forever and rank every film and show in Marvel's Phase 4. Full spoilers ahead for Phase 4, by the way. You've been warned. Zooming into our medium shot now. I expected little from Wakanda Forever. The Shuri character felt like a weak lead to base a film around, based on what we've seen of her thus far. And how were they supposed to make a Black Panther movie without, well, Black Panther? At best, I anticipated a mildly interesting return to Wakanda's world and a nice tribute to Chadwick Boseman. At worst, I worried for a soulless throwaway Marvel film, which unabashedly cashed in on our collective grief over Boseman's passing. The completed film has elements of both my hopes and my fears. But I'll get into those opinions soon. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I didn't have a lot of faith going into Wakanda forever. Just because the way Phase 4 has been going so far, where it's just been dealing out kind of like mediocre movies. Besides, to put it like gently. One. Yeah. You know, they've, they've been okay. And then um, as I'm sitting through the, f- the first few opening shots, I remembered, oh yeah, Ryan Coogler is the man. He's an amazing film director. And just reminding myself, oh yeah, there's also this stack cast behind black panther and i don't have the i didn't have the same skepticisms or the um the fears that you did where i didn't think they were going to kind of loom chadwick boseman's you know all over this movie he's in he's he's in a, a not in it but he's talked about a lot and, but yeah. in a in a respectful way and yeah, I I walked out kind of loving this movie, if I'm being honest. 
I still have I still have the same critiques as Joe, but I walked out feeling, you know, it kind of helped me get through the grief of of Chadwick Boseman's passing because I was because I was a fan of him. I was a huge fan of him, and when I found out back in twenty fifteen or sixteen that he was Black Panther, I was stoked. I was so happy because he was he's a fantastic actor, and then when he died in twenty twenty, like late twenty twenty, I freaked out i was so mad i was so shocked and yeah it's it really hasn't been the same without him but this movie tries its best and i think it does a pretty decent job all right and let's get into our close-up now the thing about this movie and me i'm gonna bounce off ryan here he already said he loved this movie I have to disconnect my critic brain from my audience brain on this one. Because for me, when I'm watching this thing, I'll just rip the bandage right off. I was not especially entertained by it. Frankly, I'll just get into my most scathing thing right away. I don't think I've ever yawned more during a Marvel movie. (laughs) It's not that entertaining to me at the time I was watching it. Maybe I was just in a bad mindset. So... That's my perspective as an audience goer. But I've got to separate that from my critic's brain, which says this is an objectively well-made film. So even though Ryan and I came out with slightly different opinions, we're both going to rave about it today, is the thing. Because we both respect and appreciate the work Ryan Coogler put into this thing, which he did a phenomenal job on a technical level. It just didn't hit me on an emotional level, is the thing. Right. And I think part of that is to do with my fears going into it, which I acknowledged up front. And I have two sides of me on this as well. The first side said, yeah, you know, I understand why this movie had to be made because the Marvel machine has to keep going with or without Chadwick Boseman, the actors, producers, filmmakers, technical team, everybody still needs a paycheck. And the Black Panther IP is way too big to leave dormant. So these people needed to work, with or without the star. So I understand why they had to make this movie. But the other side of me says that it was going to be very tough to make this movie without cashing in on the grief, like I said. And I don't know if... I don't know if this movie pulled it off in a way that made me comfortable that they made it in the first place because the movie opens up with the black panther's death and he dies from a disease which obviously they're acknowledging the fact that chadwick boseman died of cancer and that immediately it affected me on an emotional level i mean they had me exactly where they wanted me in that scene but i'm also like okay so you're using his real world death and the circumstances around it to stoke emotion in me which is immediately okay, I'm, I'm buying into this movie because I was a fan of Chadwick Boseman and I'm coming here because I was a fan of the Black Panther character and all the work Chadwick Boseman did. And is this whole movie basically just going to be let's get me in the theater because I was a fan of Chadwick Boseman, take my money and just make me pay to enjoy a tribute to his legacy is basically what the cynic in me says take advantage of my fandom just for for some money so and i think it's both 
to be honest. They had to work, and it is, and the executives who were being behind the scenes, they probably did say, okay, yeah, this is probably a good cash cow. And they handled it as respectfully as they could. But at the end of the day, you can't, you can't make this movie for a profit and then also try to act like it's this nice benevolent thing at the same time. Because there is an element of cynicism to it, even if you have the best of intentions. Just the fact that they made it at all just kind of sketches me out. And I could never really separate that while I was watching the movie. And that was a huge part of my problem going right into it. And like I said, as respectful as it was, it was just hard to separate Mm. that. I see what you're saying, and you are a bit more cynical than I am. I mean that respectfully, and I actually do respect your opinion a lot on stuff. But in my opinion, I don't think there was any other way they could have done it because I, agree. I, I can see from your point of view where it could be in, like, in terms of a cash cow where they have to cash in on this world. It wasn't a soulless cash grab. No. It was a cash no. grab with soul, but the fact that they made it at all, it's hard to say it wasn't a cash grab at all because they did it but to I'm make so money. But happy. I'm, I'm so happy they made it because yeah. you can feel the passion in it through the actors through the director, through the writing, even some of the cinematography, just on the world itself. And what I love about this movie is I think it was done well because I think you can pick any character out of this movie and it will show them in which stage of grief that they're in. You know, the queen is in anger phase the, the whole time. Shiri's in... Denial. Denial. Uh, M'Baku's in acceptance. Okoye is kind of in anger still. She's doubling down on her. So it's... She needs to find an enemy. It deals with grief. Yeah, I think it deals with grief well enough. And I I understand where you would be a little bit cynical and thinking, yeah, it is kind of weird to cash in on a real actor's death. But at the same time, I don't know how I would have felt if if they flipped the scenario and they just recasted him and they just kept the character going, I don't think it would have felt the same to me. I would have been okay if they just retired, if they just retired the Black Panther character, said he was having adventures off screen. Like, I understand for the emotional weight of this world to go on, they needed a reason to have an emotional story. And it connects with the audience, it connects with the characters. It's something we can all relate to is the death of T'Challa slash Chadwick Boseman. That's something, it was common ground we could all relate on. So I understand why they did it. But just in-universe to have that character, to have that character die, it just feels like, I don't know. Maybe it's because he's one of the most prominent black superheroes out there. So just to say Mm -hmm. that he died off screen, it that in itself nearly feels disrespectful when they didn't have to do that. Just because the actor died, they could have yeah, recast, then, they could have retired the character and moved on without him. In another, like, they could have found another way to do it. I understand why they went the way they did. And it, and it works as best as they could have done it. But it just, it just makes me feel uneasy, and I can't get over that. Yeah, but think about, like you say... Oh, Black Panther's off in his own adventures. He's not part of Wakanda. He's not doing whatever. 
to me, that also kind of feels cheap. It does. Whereas, uh, oh, so one of the most one of the most powerful fighters in the world right now is not going to come help because he's doing his own thing. They were back into a corner. It, and the only, yeah, the only you're gonna, it's a damn if you do, damn if you don't. Where okay, there's no if good you way do, out of this. Kill him if you do kill him on screen. You're gonna have to deep fake him, which is what you're gonna have to do. I'm so glad they didn't like. do that. I'm so glad they oh, didn't do that. Thank I was waiting. Christ. I got so nervous when. All right, we're gonna go into it. And spoilers yeah. when you know Shiri goes into the ancestral plane. I was like, fuck, who's on the chair? And I was so happy it wasn't him. But we'll get to him and who was actually on the chair in a bit. But. I was ready yeah. for deep fake I'm, Chadwick I'm Boseman. Usually, I'm usually always a little bit so iffy when characters get killed off screen because of a real life event. But I think I accept this for what it is because it was a tragedy. And also, it kind of reminds me of the Riverdale actor. The older guy. Yeah. I never watched during Riverdale, so I don't or, know. During the first season or something, the, one of the guys who played the dad tragically passed away during the show so they had to kill him off screen it that's happened throughout all of hollywood so there's there's no best way to do it yeah but yeah so i guess anyway. the other the other big mutual criticism ryan and i had we'll just get through the criticisms because we have mostly good things to say about this is that it was just mm-hmm. exceptionally slow paced for me i know there was a lot it's of action so in it but it's two hours <laughs> it's 40 so minutes long. Yeah, two hours, yeah. 40 minutes, something like that. And it's just, it's also a very slow two hours, 40 minutes. Most of it is mm-hmm. long dialogue scenes where everybody's super grieving and depressed. And what sucks is a lot of the grieving scenes are at night. And I had the smart idea of seeing the movie in 3D, which automatically makes every screen darker. Yep. And also, my glasses were smudged. So oh, the 3D no. looked really weird on the IMAX, <laughs> IMAX oh, movie. No. So half the time, I'm trying to watch and listen while cleaning off my glasses. And it's not working the same because I'm using like the one cent napkin that you get for the popcorn. But other than that, it was the yeah. only time that was good enough for me where I didn't have to sit in the front row. I'll just say <laughs> that. And so I don't me- want to do that ever again. The biggest reason I rate this movie lower than Ryan and ultimately is because of its entertainment value. As objectively well-made as this thing is, I never see myself watching this thing again because I was, I was entertained enough through a first viewing, mm-hmm. but even that first viewing didn't rivet me. And I just don't see enough of a value in it to come back to it. And I think rewatchability and even first-time entertainment value I have to separate that as a critic away from technical achievement because I think no matter how good a movie is, if you're not entertained, what's the point in you watching it? I mean, there's, you know, you can still be mentally engaged. To be fair, you don't rewatch anything. (laughs) To be fair, you don't rewatch anything. (laughs) I usually rewatch stuff like once every 10 years, but do I want to rewatch it at any point in my life is the thing. It's just, that's why you can enjoy something terrible and come back to it year after year. That's why trash movies become cult hits. But movies like Mm -hmm. this, better, objectively better than, say, something like, oh, I don't know, what's another terrible Marvel thing that's been released this year that you might actually want to go back and see? I don't know. I'll say 
I'll say Multiverse of Madness. I didn't I didn't really care for Multiverse yeah. of Madness, but I think there's more entertainment value on rewatch there. there I can see myself going back to that movie. I went back, yeah. But Wakanda Forever is a better movie, but I'm not going to go back and see it again. Yeah, it's I not, told you it's when just I went not fun. and uh, when I rewatched Multiverse of Madness, I told you this isn't as bad as I remember. Yeah. It's still not great. <laughs> those, those are the big problems, really. Let's get into the good stuff now, because this, this movie is mostly full of good stuff. Yeah. And let's, let's oh start with... Oh, my God. You go ahead. I was just going to say, let's start with the, the writing of it. I thought it was... This movie had me pretty hooked in from the beginning with T'Challa's funeral and, and all that. And I believe it's... A custom in many African countries to wear white at funerals. I'm pretty sure I've heard that somewhere before, so that's why I wasn't so. I was kind of taken aback yeah, by it at cool. first, and then I, and then I remembered. Oh wait, I think I've heard this fact before. So I like that it's a celebration of life. Ultimately, the the family mm. is grieving, but the people of Wakanda are playing drums, dancing in the streets. They're celebrating the life of their king instead of what we would do is wear black and be all somber and I don't know. It makes funerals more lively. And I, just, I like the idea of a celebration. Yeah. Celebration of I life is a Viking funeral. <laughs> oh yeah. Put me on a boat. How many family members fire, fire arrows at me. And then Why go not? over a waterfall. Go out and start. And then everyone has a rave. Sure. That's the best way to go. Don't be somber about death. Be, as happy as you can be. And like the queen, she finds solace in oh. T'Challa's death by realizing he's in the wind and the waves and the trees and he's, his spirit surrounds her. And that's where she finds acceptance. There's a lot of interesting themes about... I thought one of the most poignant parts of the movie is when the queen and Shuri are sitting by the riverside and Shuri says, well, all that stuff about him, his spirit being around is just a construct your mind is making to make you feel better. And the queen says something to the effect of, okay, well, what construct does your mind make? Does it give you peace or, or something else? Yeah. And take that, that science was, nerd. Yeah. That was a brilliant line to showcase the power of faith and why mm -hmm. believing in the potentially unbelievable it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. It matters how it makes you feel. And I'm not a man of faith, but I can appreciate why people are. And that line is a perfect encapsulation of why. Yeah, for so, sure. So the writing in this movie, the dialogue is very well done. It, it deals with some pretty complex themes of grief and faith. And mm -hmm. it's got some great twists, too. Speaking of the Queen, I think Angela Bassett, she's the standout actress in this oh, movie. She's, she carried the she thing. She is. She's astonishing. That, like, every time she's on screen, I, like, I just can't. She just, like, she steals every room that she's in. Her acting prowess is absolutely insane. Her in the UN, her when she's talking to Okoye, like, yelling at her, or even... I Just when she's yelling you. at the council, I was like, holy crap, she is amazing. And I was sad at one point. I don't know if we're going to the full spoilers yet. No, but... Yeah, we're going. Let's go. 
It's open season. I, just, let's they, just get into it. They, she died. I was so mad. I was sad because she's great. But then as I re- realized, like, maybe she's putting on a fantastic performance because she is dying. That's it. <laughs> Not to say she wasn't fantastic in the original Black Panther because she She is. stood out a lot more she's here, She's amazing. Though. Yeah. She's, uh, she's just an amazing actress. You know what I realized um, as I was watching? Well, not as, but after I watched it, I realized that that moment paralleled T'Challa watching his father die in Civil mm-hmm. War. Is part There's of a lot his of hero- parallels. It's part of his hero's journey, just like Shuri watched her mother die. And- but T'Challa's father dying, actually, they kind of had parallel paths because it set them both on a quest of vengeance. T'Challa mm-hmm. went on a quest of vengeance against Zemo. There's a line that's kind of a callback to Silver War, where oh, yeah. uh, Shiri at the end says, vengeance is consuming us. And I thought she was going to say, I'm done letting it consume me, because that's what T'Challa said to Zemo in Silver War. And I was like, damn, that would have been great. But I guess they didn't want to go too referency with that, but it was close enough where I was like, wow, that's awesome. There was a part of me that wanted her that wanted her to kill Namor and go full on anti-hero just to separate her from T'Challa even more because as i was watching that mm-hmm. war play out it nearly felt like an episode of Marvel's What If King T'Challa's dead the people of Talakan are going to attack Wakanda Shuri has to be the new Black Panther and she takes a more vengeance filled anti-hero approach that whole thing nearly seemed like a like a what if and then they brought it back to Okay, this feels more mainstream continuity when she did the heroic route. But I think it would have been a bolder choice to see her go full anti-hero. But I'm also happy they didn't kill Namor because I would have been furious. <laughs> because he's Marvel's right? first, I, he's I Marvel's messaged, first yeah. hero. Yeah. I messaged you later, later on. I was like, holy fuck, finally they didn't kill off the villain in Phase 4. <laughs> like, finally. He's a world leader, and I really want to see where they go with the character and with Talakan. He's their and... best. He's one of their best new written villains that's happened so far since probably since Thanos. Not the the Black Panther yeah. movies, especially, seem to excel at their villains. Mm-hmm. That's a couple in a row now that they have two of the MCU's most complex villains. Yeah, and, and... some of the stuff, even Namor has like kind of a point but it's also biased because you have to see it from his point of view well he's definitely he got a have point a, have a point yeah the surface world if they knew about telecon they would attack it or try mm-hmm. to i thought the actor gain political influence sorry you go ahead yeah yeah go ahead, and his go whole ahead. thing is he just he just wants to protect his people just like shuri and the queen want to protect wakanda and as the second most powerful nation well the most powerful they're a natural ally so his whole motivation makes sense He's just an extremist in his views. Very paranoid, mistrusting. But I totally get where he's coming from. Especially as a leader of an isolated country, like, or nation, like Telecon. So I disagree with the way he goes about things, but he makes perfect sense. And even in his actions, it's... He takes extreme approaches to things. But you can also say, okay, well, if Wakanda didn't want to ally with you, it makes total sense to take the first strike. Kidnap their princess, kill their queen, because they're they're the biggest threat. Because they're and not just the biggest threat, but they're angling themselves as an enemy too. Like when Shuri, like when Nakia 
sneaked into Talakon, rescued Shuri, killed one of the citizens as Namor was talking to the queen about making peace talks. Well, it makes Wakanda look pretty deceitful and untrustworthy. Mm. So I totally get why he would go and attack Wakanda in retaliation. It just, it makes political sense. So I, yeah. I get him. And what were you going to say? I didn't realize till halfway through the movie where it's like, oh, they're only blue when they're out of the water. I didn't understand that till mm-hmm. maybe like two hours in because they were underwater when Shiri was exploring Telecon. Everybody had the same, didn't have the blue skin. They had something else. And I was like, but wait, so only some of them blue? And then I didn't realize, oh, wait, it was just because when their skin's affected in daylight or something like that, except for Namor because he's special for some reason i don't know mutant in his words oh that's right there's no there was no uh noise cue like in miss marvel (laughs) (laughs) do you imagine if they did that in this movie (laughs) oh man but yeah uh, i really like namor i really like the actor so i'm glad he's sticking around i this is gonna sound weird but i'm glad to see an mcu villain slash hero or whatever who's not jacked not to say that he's not in shape namor yeah. is in shape he's still he's got like some but he's not Mbaku. super jacked like it yeah like an extreme amount of where you can tell like the actor was in the gym twice a day eating eight thousand calories like he looks he doesn't look average but he looks well enough that you can assume that like yeah this guy would definitely kick your ass still so i'm glad yeah. there it's not that He's not also putting into the uh, stigma of, oh, if you're a superhero, you got to be like, have six pack abs, the most ripped bod whatsoever. Yeah. And he's, I just kind of like, it's, it's a small detail, but I liked it. He still is athletic. He looks great. Yeah. He looks as good as any man can look with wings on his ankles. <laughs> but yeah, I really liked him. I thought he had a good point. I thought he was a great manipulator. Oh, he's Great politics. Let's talk so about I Shuri can't wait now. To, can't wait to see more. Yeah, I want to talk about Shuri now because I got to say, as I said up top, and this is no offense to Letitia Wright, but I didn't have mm-hmm. enough faith in her to carry this movie. Just based on what I've seen to the Shuri character thus far, she was very, she was very jokey and immature, and I'm like, oh, she's gonna lead the movie. Ugh, fine, see how it goes. Letitia Wright really stepped up to the plate on this one and hit it out of the park, mm-hmm. I thought. Sure, he has this newfound maturity, and I like seeing a more aggressive side of her. She shows off her cold, rational, logic brain when... But also, T'Challa ruled more through empathy, I think, but she's, she's a mathematician, a scientist, so she's, she's kind of colder as a human being just by design. But when she has that kind of cold logic with an aggressive catalyst, that makes for a a very dangerous person. And that's why my investment in her skyrocketed in the second half after she saw Killmonger in her vision. And he said, you know, you're not that different from me, really. Biggest shocker of the movie. Yeah. So much so, it woke up my audience. They're like, oh, and there was like a, a bit of a cheer. Yeah. Again, it was, it was dark. I couldn't see anything for a bit. And then I saw him and it was like, he's like, hey, cousin. I was like, holy fuck. 
This not only because it's Killmonger, but it's also it's Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Michael B. Jordan has such a strong fandom. That was shocking me. And then I Sometimes was really scared. I was really scared it was either gonna be it was either gonna be Angela Bassett, and I was like, fuck if it's Chadwick. Oh no, oh no, oh no. Yeah. They said they wouldn't do this, and then it I was just worried it was gonna be a deep fake Chadwick Boseman ghost to give her motivational mm-hmm. messages. And that's why I didn't even think Killmonger, because I was just so worried it was gonna be Chadwick Boseman. No, I didn't even think of it. Please don't. Please don't. Oh, Killmonger. Oh, Killmonger. I didn't even think about you. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. And he's... I wonder if it might be her father from T'Chaka. I wondered if he might come back for a cameo or something. That would have been okay. Yeah. But I don't think they ever really interacted. I think that guy died. Oh, did he? I think that actor died. It might have. Let me look that up. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll continue while you're doing that. Yeah, so I think Sheree was way better than I expected, and I apologize to Letitia Wright for having doubts in you. You (laughs) nailed it, and I look forward to see what you bring to the Black Panther character later. Oh, yes, that reminds me, circling back to the writing. I think Chadwick's absence left a big gap in this film of... It's a superhero film without a superhero until the third act. You have the anti-hero in Namor, and you have your protagonists in Shuri and the Queen and Okoye, but there's really no superhero anchoring the film. And I thought that was a very interesting choice. I'm like, okay, it's a Black Panther movie, but the Black Panther is not here, so what do these people do? And you can feel them kind of floundering around. Oh, Wakanda doesn't have its protector anymore. Wakanda's in danger and it doesn't have his protector. What do we do? We kind of just have to scramble and make this up as we go along. So when Shuri finally (laughs) finds a way to make the Purple Heart and she puts aside her Mm. doubts about the Black Panther tradition and maybe just leaving it by the wayside altogether and she becomes the Black Panther, that moment felt very earned and it, it was pretty rousing, I thought, especially when she drops in Nuanbaku's throne room and has an arm wrestle with him and her suit looks great. Yeah. Her suit looks amazing. It's so earned. Now, because I thought, the Black Panther yeah. was not around the entire movie when they finally brought in the Black Panther. That mm-hmm. was incredible moment. Yeah. I think yeah, back to Letitia, right? I think she knocked out of the park. I think she yeah, I think she showcased a lot of great acting here in terms of both comedy, drama, strong emotions. You know, it, it's funny. The way this movie is written is really well done is because she's still a little bit jokey with, especially with Martin Freeman's character. Yeah. It's like, where can I... So, so I can hit say my hi to my colon- favorite colonizer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I love how he like he hates that nickname. He's like, ha ha ha. It's like thanks. But yeah, I think I gotta criticize Martin Freeman and Vel. Their story added nothing. Like literally. Well, it's just they nothing. didn't do anything. Literally exactly. didn't do anything. And I was so disappointed because what's her name? Vel? Is that what you said? I think that's her name, Vel, yeah. Whatever. Freaking Seinfeld. <laughs> Julia Louis. Yeah, Julie Lee Dreyfus. I was excited to see her for a second because they've been hyping her up throughout Phase 4. And then they were like, oh, by the way, she's the director of the CIA. 
I thought she was just a lawyer. Like, I didn't think she was a fucking, like, a part of the agency. I don't know. I, I, so that threw me off guard. And then they try to throw in where him and her and Martin Freeman were dating. They were married. But anyway. Well, they were married. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, I think Letitia Wright was really good. I'll go back to the Killmonger thing. I wanted to just say that Michael B. Jordan slips right back into it. He's so good. It's one of his most iconic roles, and I think he's, he said it was one of the hardest he's ever done and his, one of his favorites to do. So I complex he said a he character, secluded, Yeah, he had to seclude himself for, like, a few weeks or just to kind of get into the role in the original Black Panther. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I, it was awesome to see him. Slips right back into it. Uh, another character that I surprisingly liked was Ironheart. Before the suit, but <laughs> I like yeah. I like the actress. Uh, I thought I don't know what it is, but I think that you know, east side of the states, you know, sh- Chicago style way of talking and her attitude. I don't. I thought she nailed it. I don't know if she's from there in real life, but by the way, Chachaka actor is still alive. He's okay. not dead. Yeah, Ironheart. But yeah, I thought she was really good. I was really afraid because whenever they introduce like a kid. In a comic book movie, they come off as like a little bit annoying or too jokey. But I thought she balanced it pretty well. I didn't. I never found her annoying. I thought the suit needs a redesign, but <laughs> it felt like a little cartoony. I thought she was annoying in her first couple scenes, but she kind of grew on me. Not enough to check out her Disney Plus show, though. That's sorry. Yeah. Your ad- your early advertising didn't work on that one, but I she was fine in this movie. That's about all I can say. I just, I don't, I, I'm steadily liking, disliking the child genius trope less and less. Mm. Just because, there's too many. I, well, there's too many and I don't know. This one also, she doesn't feel like she's quite, I haven't seen her flaws enough in a way that make me root for her. All I've seen so far is a 19 year old girl who can recreate the genius of Tony Stark's inventions from, okay, from, uh, from, you know, with no budget or anything. Okay. So she's, so she's scrappy and resourceful. I, I get that. And she has a bit of a past with her, with her dad and the car. And okay. So she's got hints of a tragic backstory, but as a character, she seems pretty just boring. I don't know. So she's good at everything. She's a genius inventor and she's, I mean, I thought the same thing about Shuri before, but this, but Wakanda Forever gave her a little more depth that, and flaws, and I've come around on Shuri, and maybe the Ironheart show would do the same, but just, yeah, Riri Williams didn't make a great impression, not a bad one either, just kind of, eh, all right. Oh, you're such a cynical bastard, and I love it. All right. Uh... <laughs> I back my cynicism up, though. I'm not. No, I know, I know. It's just, it's just funny to me where it's like a character that appears for maybe fifteen total minute or fifteen to twenty minutes of screen time, and it's not really the movie's not about her. You just go, but what are her flaws? <laughs> I understand though. I understand where where you're coming from. Where because it's a it's yeah. a universe you yeah. love, and if you're yeah. not gonna have a character arc for her at all, if you're just if her whole purpose is just be there, do cool things, uh... and make people want to watch her show. That's not good writing. That's just product placement. It's like it's like Jarvis. What's his flaw? <laughs> you know, what's Jarvis's flaw? Uh-huh. 
in the first Iron Man movie. I'm just messing with you, but I understand. Yeah. You. I yeah. I don't know. I loved her personality, personally. But yeah, let's see. Let's see. I didn't care for the, about action. the action. Yeah. Yeah. The action was <laughs> like I was about to. It was okay. There were some cool moments in it, but I was just kind of checking my. The first fight scene, it. I was like, the first fight scene I was like, oh no, when they're in the ship and it's the. Dora Milaje taking on the French? Yeah. I don't know. I think so. <laughs> yeah, they I love just... how in the Union, the only bad nations are the US and the French. <laughs> Those are the only bad nations, apparently. I mean, thanks, Ryan Coogler, for actually showing us the action. The cuts weren't ridiculously quick. I could see what was going on. The cinematography looked fantastic throughout it. The special mm-hmm. effects were decent. The CGI was better than usual. So, hey. I thought you know, Namor's was... action was really good. Namor's action scenes were really good. I didn't think the action was especially good or riveting, but it was competent, which is better than most Marvel projects of late. So I'll take that at the very least. This is the first MCU movie in a long time that's actually felt like a film, like an actual film. It looks like it. It's not super quippy. There are some quips, but they're actually funny. It's not a two-hour special of a sitcom. No. It's an actual movie, and it looks like a movie, too. It doesn't look like a cheap TV show on Disney+. Plus. It looks like actual cinematographers mm-hmm. and directors and people who make films actually made a film. Yeah. It just, the production value was better than Marvel's been in a long time, and I just... I appreciated it. Congratulations thank to you. all involved. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan Cooler. Yeah. And I know thank you shouldn't be in order necessarily for, you know, the bare minimum of what a movie should be. The bare be, minimum. But, <laughs> but look. <laughs> I, Good on I you. personally give, fa- give most of Phase 4 a little bit of leeway because of COVID and how a lot of this was filmed and then post-production was a lot of it post-COVID. But also, you can write well enough in your room by yourself. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good transition into our lists. Unless you have Overall, any more to say, I know we don't usually give rankings. I don't know why we haven't been. We did it like at the first in terms of like whatever out of ten, and then we just stopped doing it. <laughs> but for me, yeah. I even told you I put it like an eight out of ten because of uh, I just I thought finally here's a MCU film, and also you have it here in your lit in your notes. T'Challa's got a kid. Yeah. That was a nice scene. T'Challa's got a kid now. I kind of, it nice wasn't scene. really surprised because I was kind of... T'Challa. I was wondering about... So his name lives on, which is good. Yeah. And I think when that kid grows up, it'll be the new Black Panther, and that's a nice legacy to pass down. It was just... It was a nice scene. Although if I was sure, he'd be a little pissed. T'Challa never told me about the kid. He told his mom, but he didn't tell her. Which I'd be a little okay. But it was, yeah. it was a nice... It was a nice reveal... We never mentioned Lupita Nyong'o. She's so great in this. Oh, yeah, whenever she's, she's on screen too, whenever she's on screen too, I'm like, fuck. She's like, she's just an expert. I don't know what it is. She's so stunning too. Oh my God. <laughs> she gave Nakia a lot more depth this time around. I didn't really remember mm-hmm. so much about her character in the first one, but now she's... She was like, I was really out. confused. I was really confused, but then the end credit scene helped me. I was like, why is Haiti your home? And then the kid walks on screen. I was like, oh! Got it. <laughs> I was like, gotcha. Because I was so confused. There's another thing I was confused about near the end where M'Baku shows up. 
as the at the ceremony to challenge for the throne. And he yeah. says, and he says himself, I'm challenging for the throne. So does Sherry, she's, she's still Black Panther, but not the queen? I don't know. I guess so. That part I was a little confused about. Yeah, I guess we'll but, see. But, uh, I don't know. That's, uh, I might have to, like, re-hear that scene. Maybe she's, he's challenging for her. I don't know, that doesn't make sense either. That but yeah, sense. I think that was a nice, that was a nice scene at the end with the end credit scene. Like, this is. Is like my name is Chichala, son of, my name is Prince Chichala, son of King Chichala, and that was another like that was nice clap in the theater. Yeah. That was very nice. Yeah. Sorry, you were saying? No, I was gonna say. So Ryan gives it eight out of ten. I'm, I don't know what I'd give it. The critic in me wants to say about eight out of ten, but once again, the audience, the guy who's just watching the movie, says six or seven. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I'll split the difference and say seven. I'll say, usually I don't do the number rankings. I'll say it's worth a mm-hmm. watch. Worth a watch. You only need to see it one time. And that's, yeah. you'll probably be okay. I feel like I'm going to be in the minority on this one. Who, like, probably. I feel people but are going to you know, rave about, yeah. people are going to rave about this one. And I'll rave about the technical side of it. But personally, I think this is a better movie than the original Black Panther movie. Not like the, like the 2018 one in terms of a film. I feel like this one's going to have a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 effect on me, where Guardians 2 is a film I like better than the first one, even though the first one is a better film. The sequel deepens the characters and the lore more. So I can see people having a similar reaction to Wakanda Forever, Mm -hmm. because it does do that, what Guardians 2 did to the first one. I can easily see why people would think this is better in many ways. I could understand why this movie would be nominated for Best Picture. I still don't understand why the last one was. I understand because of how popular it was. It was its cultural impact. Yeah. I still really like the first Black Panther movie. I don't think it's really good. I just think this one is a little bit better. And some people think it's about the same. Yeah. All right. Moving on. What we've been waiting for all year. Our rankings. To piss people off. Oh, yeah. Well, remember, these rankings we're about to give are totally subjective, and as I frequently like to tell people who complain at me, there's a big difference between which art I think is best and which art I like more, Mm -hmm. because objective quality doesn't always mean something connects with me. Example, Wakanda Forever is objectively one of Phase 4's best crafted productions, but it sits in the middle of my list. So, don't at me, or do, I don't care. I'll argue with you all day in the comments. I can do this all day. You don't care at all. Ha ha. Hey. I did a reference. I know that quote. Agent Carter said that. (laughs) No. (laughs) In Multiverse of Madness. Multiverse of Madness. That's what all the kids are going to think. I don't want to watch the older movies. Those ones are bad. Phase one. Ew. Ew. More like phase done. Got him. We're going to be 60 and be like, so Joe, what did you think of phase 12? <laughs> they made, they went on past phase six. I stopped watching. You're not years paying ago. attention. <laughs> oh no. They just brought Robert Downey Jr. back. He's still alive. <laughs> they cloned him. Wow. All right, let's do our let's and all the plant, all the plant life in real life is dead, so we all live in our own personal volume. We're just in Ready Player One. 
living out Marvel fantasies yeah. in the in the VR. All right, Ryan, get your right. get your thing up. You want me to go first? Uh, I guess so. All right. Well, I mean, we're not really a more positive. Uh, yeah. Ryan's doing a tier ranking from S tier to F tier, and I'm doing a numbered list ranking. Just because All I right. figure well, people would want to know which ones I like more than others. Like, which which do you hate more, this or that? Well, now you'll know. So mine's Ryan's. a little bit. Mine's a little bit in a strange order. So just think of it as from left from the left to the right at uh, the very left is the top so yes. say my a tier i have six things in my a tier and from the the left that's like the best the very top and all the way at the bottom for f tier is the, what i hate the most and my f tier one in the f tier ones is pretty funny okay. so i'll just start uh <laughs> all right first thing in my f tier is thor love and thunder <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> and, then, and then it's what... I'll fix in a second. And then for me, it's what if She-Hulk, Black Widow... That's... Sorry. For people who are listening, I'm so sorry. F tier is Thor, Love, and Thunder, and what if... I feel like these didn't really hit the mark for me. Yeah. I'm going to fix Thor, and Love, and Thunder in a second, because this was my most disappointing movie of all MCU. Ouch. D tier. Black Widow and She-Hulk. Black Widow just kind of like... It was a movie set in the past. I didn't really understand like the story points why they did it. The fact that they kind of butchered Taskmaster too wasn't really... I wasn't a fan of. The only reason why it's not an F is because it introduces Yelena. Mm-hmm. Who I think is going to be an excellent character moving on. And then there's She-Hulk... It was a, you know, it was a fun sitcom their first ever sitcom show, but I don't, it didn't hit as well for me. And then C, we'll go, we'll start from the bottom. Uh, Miss Marvel. I love the character of Miss Marvel. I love the actress who portrays her. The story on its own, garbage. Garbage, it's a garbage story. The villain is kind of weak, doesn't really have great motivation. And spoiler alert, the villain goes away in the fourth episode. So there's two more episodes of them just dealing with, like, the repercussions of that, but also not at the same time. I think there's awesome characters in it, like Miss Marvel. Her dad is really cool. Her friends are really awesome. So I think there's great character moments and great characters in it. But just as a show as a whole, I can't put it up there. Yeah. And then there's Multiverse of Madness. Uh, Again, another disappointment. I thought I didn't. Going into it, I didn't want it to be Cameo City, but I also thought, hey, it's a multiverse. You can do you can do anything. So just do anything. And they did do anything, but then they also killed off anything in five minutes. So it was really just nothing. They also murdered Wanda by the end of it. I wasn't happy with that. Visually stunning movie. I just can't put it higher than than a B. Uh, or anywhere higher than a C. Yeah, this is a weird one for me. I know I'm gonna get a lot of shit for this, but I put Eternals and C. I don't know why. I think the aesthetic was really cool for me. I like the actors in it. I, I'm a Richard Madden uh, fanboy who plays Icarus. Yep. It is kind of basic, but I thought the action was really good in terms of action. Story, yeah. Again, story is a little basic. 
It, I just was a little bit entertained by it. Uh, that's that's all I can say. I know it's bad. I know the story doesn't make sense, but I thought visually, I thought it was okay. And then Falcon the Winter Soldier wasn't a fan of the first few episodes, but then the series grew on me. I like the dynamic between Bucky and Falcon and uh, John Walker. Is it John Walker? Yep. Is that the name? Yep. I thought he was an, you know, I thought he was an okay villain. The only reason I put it really up here is because of episode five and six. I thought the action was really good. I thought, you know, the messages that they were conveying were well enough. But also, it was, got a little preachy, so that's why it's in C. For me, it was in C because it got a little bit too preaching near the end with Falcon when he became Captain America, like talking to the UN people saying, You have you know, to do these better. People are oppressed. You have to do better. Also, the villain sucked. It, it was like they tried to make a compelling villain, but also she just made the most terrorist things ever, <laughs> like happen all the time. Oh, and everyone, just so you know, this, this secret invasion right here, but just pretend that it's Werewolf by Night. Fun little standoff. We're in the B category now. Fun little standoff. Wonder. Little Halloween special. Made it look like it was from the 50 or, you know, the, um, the old monster flicks. Monster movies. Had a really fun time. Thought the action was really cool. Thought the cinematography was great. Music was really good. Actors did a fantastic job. Left me wanting more. The only reason it's in a B is because the Swamp Thing CGI need a little work. Man then thing. B, I have... What's that? Oh, Man, man thing. thing. Sorry. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Swamp Thing's DC. And then the top thing for Loki... B tier is Loki. I enjoy the series. I like the aesthetic of it. I like the Miss Minutes stuff. It introduced John... Jonathan Majors to the to the MCU uh, near the end, and I'm excited for him. Jonathan Majors now is one of those actors I will just whatever he's in I'll watch it because I think he's just so charismatic. I think he's very entertaining. I don't know about Quantum Mania though. That looked the, that first trailer did not get me excited whatsoever. I don't know if you watched it, but it got me interested. It played before Wakanda Forever. Yeah, those were the, that was funny. I was going to bring that up, but for Wakanda Forever, those were the only two things. The only two trailers that popped up was Ant-Man and Avatar, and then the rest were commercials. Didn't make any sense. I got one for Creed. Yeah, they didn't show me Creed. It was really weird. Hmm. Anyway, but yeah, Loki I really loved. Tom Hilson did a really good job. I liked Lady Loki. I liked their dynamic through it. It's not much I can say because I don't really remember much. Owen Wilson, you did a good job. The only reason it's in B for me because I feel like Loki became a good guy real quick out of nowhere because of the power of love. Yeah. And then we get to A tier. Stuff I really enjoyed and stuff I would probably rewatch. At the bottom is Wakanda Forever. Sorry. I, th- I still think it's really good, but it's not that rewatchable as... Everything. And I'm not going to go into it because we just did almost an hour on it. Uh, Next up is Shang-Chi. I really like this movie. It almost kind of brought everybody back into theaters. Simu Liu is the main star, you know? Mm -hmm. Toronto owned or Brampton, whatever. You know know what I mean. Canadian owned boy. I thought the action's really good. I thought the villain 
in that movie was really awesome. The action is great. I love the third act. You have different opinions on the third act. We never think the same. It's okay. I thought it was a really enjoyable movie. And then, number four, fourth, I guess, in terms of what's the best in in Phase 4, is Hawkeye. Great Christmas-themed thing to watch. Fantastic. I might even rewatch it this year. Haley Steinfeld, perfect. She's great. As great dynamic, great chemistry between him and, uh, sorry, between Haley and um, Clint. Thought the action was really well done. She does Kate Bishop very well. Brought back Yelena, which was really cool. Their dynamic was really awesome to see. Hope to see more of them in the future. A little wonky on uh, on uh, on uh, M- Mr. Fisk, hmm. on Kingpin. A little wonky on that. It felt a little cartoony, but that's okay. Oh yeah, that's the only reason She-Hulk isn't in an F tier is because Daredevil's back. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, I'm Daredevil. <laughs> that doesn't affect me. That affects you. But yeah, I thought it's Hawkeye was really fun. I thought Hawkeye was a really fun show to watch. Clint Barton trying to not only pass the mental on, but also has more of a character growth that I think he deserved. And then number three, best thing in the phase four is Moon Knight. I really love the show. I didn't start watching it till the fifth episode came out. So I binged through five episodes, wait a week, and then I saw the sixth episode and was like, oh, you skipped all the action. But other than that, hmm. I thought Oscar Isaac was amazing. The way he was able to pull off two different personalities but have them be two different characters at the exact same time is amazing. That fifth episode where he's going through Steven's backstory is probably the best thing Marvel's ever produced in terms of quality and storytelling. Which makes it sound like it should be an A, but it's only one episode. But it kind of reminded me of a little bit of Indiana Jones and also the Mummy era as well with the mystery and going into, like, our, uh, what's the word I'm working for? Egyptology, archaeology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Archaeology, that little bit there. I also love the Moon Knight costume on its own. I think it looks amazing. I hope one day I can pull off a cosplay of that. And then, this wouldn't be up here if I didn't do a rewatch recently, but WandaVision is number two. I love this show. I think it's great how it did the different eras of sitcoms all the way up to the modern day. I think Elizabeth Olsen is spectacular. She did an amazing job. I introduced Bad Witch. I forget, there's so many names. Mm -hmm. I'm not remembering. Agatha. Agatha, yeah. That end fight is a, was a little weird, but upon a rewatch, it's actually not as bad as I remember. I thought it was really well done. Introduced one of the Marvels as well. Every, anytime I went to the modern day, though, I was kind of bored. I was like, okay, can we get back to Wanda, please? I thought it was, re- it was Disney, the first MCU show. And I thought they nailed it. They haven't beaten it since. And yep. I think it was really good. And of course, at the top is Spider-Man No Way Home. One of the best uh, theater experiences ever. The most fan fiction film probably ever made in terms of modern day, but uh, I still think it is really good. The fact they were able to bring back, you know, like, think about that. They brought back every modern live action Spider-Man and put them all on screen. Like, that's amazing. Toby, Andrew, 
Tom, and they all have great dialogue between each other, both dramatic and comedic. It was definitely a highlight of 2021 near the end. It practically saved, you know, movies that I, because <laughs> it made over a billion dollars as well. But yeah, that's the top of my list. Overall, I still think Phase 4 is probably the worst phase that we've had. And the title that I have for my Phase 4 review is Thanos Was Right. That's my review. <laughs> anyway, now we go more on to the cynical Joseph, who hated everything. Not everything. Just Oh, happened. by the way, I'm going to I'm going to fix I'm going to fix my Thor. I'll put it Mm. <laughs> this is tough for me. Uh, I'll put it here. No, okay. I'll put it right above Miss Marvel in the C tier. I haven't rewatched it since, but I was so disappointed in this movie. Anyway, all right. So uh, we're uh, running out of time, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna go through a little bit uh, speedy. So at my bottom, number sixteen is you guessed it. If you listen to close up long enough. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I thought this show was terrible. It's overly preachy. The villains are terrible. The plot is also... It's poorly written. I didn't connect with any of the characters. It's trying way too hard. The filmmaking is like muted and gray and ugly. It's just... It's a slog to get through. I didn't really like any of the episodes. I wasn't entertained. I wasn't... It didn't provoke any thoughts in me except annoyance and regret that I even bothered to watch it. And it's basically the show that single-handedly made me say, I'm not going to watch everything in the MCU anymore. Which, speaking of everything I haven't... Things I haven't watched in the MCU, my number 15 is Ms. Marvel. And that is how much I disliked Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I put the show I didn't even see above it. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> exactly. I knew it was better. Oh, I didn't no. even watch it and I knew it was better. So it's number not. 15, <laughs> Ms. Marvel. Sorry, okay. it's not my list. Go ahead. It's not my list. <laughs> number 14, Black Widow. This movie did not need to exist. And even when it did exist, <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> The only redeemable thing about this movie... Okay, there's two redeemable things about this movie. The first, I'll say, is the dinner scene, where the whole, where the whole family gets together. That was a good scene. One good scene in a two-hour movie. Okay, I guess it's good that it's not, you know, 0%. There is some redeeming factor. And Yelena, who isn't at her best here, but I like the character. Um, but I still... You promise us Black Widow gets a solo movie after 10 years of being She's in the MCU? She's barely in it. <laughs> and you make her a supporting character in her own movie? Screw you, Marvel. Just Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's, like, she's, it's not really about her. Anyway. And this won't be the last screw you, Marvel, probably. Uh, number 13, <laughs> The Eternals. I think it's a competently made fi film. Like Wakanda Forever. I think Chloe Zhao is a good director, but I've only seen two films of hers. I've seen Eternals and I've seen Nomadland and frankly, they both bore me. She's just, I just haven't, I watch them, I appreciate them for the, the craft, but I'm not entertained. And I, I could tell Eternals 
is I compare Eternals to a Zack Snyder movie. I can tell it's trying so hard. It's even got that kind of gray color palette, but it doesn't do it as well as he does. It's like it's trying to be a Zack Snyder movie, but it doesn't do any of the things he does well. <laughs> so it's it's Zack Snyder light, and I am a fan of Zack wow. Snyder's DC movies, controversial as they may be, but. So the, the Eternals is a movie that I should like, but I just didn't really. And there, it's not all bad. I like Kumail Nanjiani. He was a standout in it. Richard Madden was good too. But uh, everything else, just boring. Number 12. They wasted Angelina Jolie. They wasted oh, yeah. her. Very much so. That's so sad. They're like, oh, by the way, she has cra- she's like a little crazy, so she doesn't act right sometimes. Fuck off. We saw this in Girl Interrupted. Just give her something like good writing. Mm-hmm. Number the twelve. Good. Number twelve is She-Hulk. If you listen to our review of She-Hulk, you might think this would be close to my bottom. There was actually stuff I disliked more. Evidently, She-Hulk. <laughs> She-Hulk is one of those ones where I'm going to go the opposite way now. All day long, I've been talking about stuff that's good quality stuff that I just don't like or didn't connect with me she-hulk is a bad show that i found some enjoyment in so i'll give it that it's not so bad it's good but it does have it made me laugh sometimes i was generally entertained and it's i'll nearly say it's a love to hate kind of show it's fun bashing on it in a way which gives me some enjoyment to critique it how bad a lot of it turned out which so what she hulk you gave me some enjoyment after all and daredevil and you didn't screw him up so thank you for that the return of matt murdoch was glorious tatiana maslany was fantastic in the show and i am actually excited to see her pop up in future shows with better writing don't don't blow it number 11 what if this show had so much potential. It could have been anything and everything. <laughs> but the very first episode is just a retread of the first Avenger condensed into 20 minutes. And I, and I knew we were in trouble immediately. Right from yeah. the start. And it's there, just so basic. There were moments, you know, T'Challa, Star-Lord, What If Ultron won. There were Lowe's, Party Thor. The whole ninth episode where these are the people you pick. On this team, I went on a rant about this in episode three uh. of, uh, of Close Up. The fact that they had to make it in a one overarching story was its biggest mistake. And the stories they chose were just, they could have done literally anything they wanted. And they picked the most boring and safe stories for a lot of them. Just very, very disappointing. Probably my biggest disappointment of phase four, to be honest. But not the only. So excited for season two. Yeah, because one of my most anticipated movies of Phase 4 was Multiverse of Madness. Big disappointment for me, because it wasn't even really a Doctor Strange movie. It was a Wanda movie that she, that Doctor Strange kind of just, or an America Chavez movie even, and Doctor Strange kind of just tagged along in it. He didn't have any character development, he didn't have any stake in the plot, and they didn't even go to many multiverses. It was a complete letdown in basically... All my expectations were let down. And there is some enjoyment. Sam Raimi's direction is... He's got that kind of quirk. Hmm? (laughs) It's fine. 
Yeah, it's he's fine. got that. He's got a quirky, unique style. There's clearly more directorial vision in his movie than most of Marvel's Phase Four. It feels more like a Sam Raimi film. It feels more the product of an auteur than other Marvel films. So I I do appreciate the sense of uniqueness in Multiverse of Madness. There's a lot of cool special effects, but it just it was very disappointing for a Doctor Strange movie. I hate what they did with the Illuminati. It was a cool scene, but it left me very annoyed. You brought Patrick Stewart back for this. Screw you, Marvel. Moving on. Love and Thunder. They brought him back just to just to push him farther into the casket. Yep. Number nine. Poor guy's Love 96. And, Love and Thunder. Another bad movie that I found enjoyment in. It... Love and Thunder is another very frustrating one for me because I think on paper this had the potential to be the best Thor movie. The story in it is very well, I think it it really feels mythological in its scope and craziness. And if you played this movie straight, it could have been fantastic. It had a lot of potential emotional weight with Jane Foster. Natalie Portman does a decent comeback, but I wish they gave her more to do. It just I laughed sometimes. I had fun. It was a it was a good viewing experience, and I can see myself popping this back in if I need a little pick me up. It's not good by any means, but I enjoyed myself more than the other. How many more? One, two, three, four, five. There's six, no seven. God butchering in it. Seven. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than the other seven below. So I'll give it that. Now we're in the actual. Yeah, but now we're into the actual good stuff. Number eight, I'm going to say Werewolf by Night. This special came out of nowhere for me. I had no expectations going into it. It was nice callback to 1940s monster movies. It wasn't anything too extravagant, nothing too thought-provoking, but it, it was doing a specific thing, and I thought it did it really well. I was I was entertained. I was intrigued. I liked the aesthetic of it. Michael Giacchino did a good job as a director of it. The special effects were pretty cool for the most part. It wasn't trying to be anything too big. It was just it was trying to be a throwback and a fun Halloween special, and maybe a little bit unnerving in some parts with its vibe. And I thought it did. Pretty much everything it was trying to do well. So it's it's a solid number eight. Right right in the middle of my list. Number seven, Loki. I I know I always take a lot of flack for not loving this show. But from who? Everybody. (laughs) Literally everybody. But yeah, frankly, the only things I loved about Loki are whenever Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson were on screen together. Everything else I can take or leave. But the the bromance between Mobius and Loki was enough to carry this show for me and bring it to my number seven. There was a lot of interesting ideas in it, cool worlds. I actually look forward to season two. I think Loki could have been half the length. Those middle episodes really did nothing. But episodes one, two, and six were good enough that I can confidently put it above the rest of the list. You know, I've seen Gator Loki. It's fun. Number six, Wakanda Forever. If I was going purely based on my enjoyment, this would probably be a bit lower 
but I have to add a little bit of, I appreciate the technical side of this enough that I have to put it number six. And the tribute to Chadwick Boseman, though I am a little uneasy about it, as I've said, did impact me emotionally. So that's more than I can say for a lot of these. And I think the sign of good art is that it moves you in some way or another. And Wakanda Forever did move me at certain points. It's, it's very powerful in its execution when it hits right. So number six for that. Number five, Hawkeye. This show single-handedly got me into the Christmas spirit last year. It's, it's a good reintroduction to Clint Barton, a great introduction to Kate Bishop. I think these two are great together. It's, it's weird that with the proliferation of sidekicks in comic books, we haven't really seen a sidekick-hero relationship adapted to screen very well in live action. So the fact that they were able to do a Hawkeye-Kate Bishop sidekick relationship of all things was, hey, you know what? That's, it's a good time, and you did it well. And I liked the world. I liked the vibe. I didn't love how they handled Kingpin and it made me worried for Daredevil's return. But, you know, I, it, was, it was fine. The parts I dislike about it aren't... It, like, the parts I like about it are, you know, Clint having to team up with cosplayers around Christmas. It deals with his, with his deafness and a bit of his trauma. He's, you know, this, this young, rich kid trying to pull him out of his funk and be a mentor. And I love how she idolized him. I remember one of the scenes that... I thought did a really good job of showing how cool Hawkeye actually was, was when they flash back to the Avengers, and there was that young Kate Bishop looking at Hawkeye jump off a building, and I thought that was a really cool way to show this guy with no powers and a bow and arrow fights alongside the Avengers and goes toe-to-toe with gods from another universe and fights aliens, and that would be really inspiring to see that. So I thought it was a great way to reason for Kate Bishop to want to become a superhero and just her being a fangirl was just really fun and I I enjoyed it a lot. Number four, Moon Knight. Oscar Isaac gives one of the MCU's best performances in this show, episode five in particular, like you said. I agree with you. It's one of the best standalone hours Marvel's ever produced. It's, I, I can't say it deals with mental illness accurately because i honestly don't know but it makes me more empathetic for sure in its presentation it makes me think a little harder it opens the gateway to further research Mm. and those discussions are important as a society to have so if you can if you can put it in a marvel package that people will eat up and digest because it's marvel great if that's how we have to start having these discussions fine. And for what it is, I think it was handled respectfully enough for what it n- was trying to do. Stephen and More Mark... respectful than split, apparently. Yeah. Stephen and Mark, great yeah. back and forth between the two. They, once again, Oscar Isaac carries the show. I also like Layla and her relationship with him. Conchu was really cool, too. Uh, exploring Egyptian mythology, it kind of opened the gateway to that for me too, made me more curious in looking up Egyptian history. And 
I always like when entertainment wants gets me to seek out other things I might not have otherwise. So Moon Knight is really cool. The uh, just I thought it was just really well done on the whole. You know, it's visually pretty cool too. It's got a it's got a really trippy story. Introduces the gods of the MCU. It was it was big in scope. I just thought it was really cool. Number three, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Once again, this is another movie that opened up a certain gateway to me for I want to know more about Chinese culture now and and that side of the world and I do enjoy movies from that side of the world so I wasn't as well I'll say off put by the directorial choices in this film as other people might have been because it did feel to me like it was definitely inspired by films of from that region or at least a certain type that I've seen anyway but yeah, I think it's cool to bring different kind of styles and cultures to to the screen and and uh the character's really good too. He's um he just exists in a different world. I'm disappointed they killed off the Mandarin, but I thought it was a pretty emotional story about the bonds of family and him reconnecting with his heritage and the and the the different struggles about ethnicity about him going away from the, the his upbringing in chinese tradition and moving to america becoming americanized and then going back home and his world's very different and his parents expect certain things of him it's it's a pretty relatable story to many people i think just told through the superhero guys and that's why the third act kind of falls apart for me just cuz it, it started veering into more traditional marvel territory oh yeah and the action is fantastic too it's some of the best action marvel's ever done those hand-to-hand fights brilliantly choreographed brilliantly shot it just it was fantastic through and through and number two no way home this is one i would have put at number one except like ryan said i think it hurts a little on rewatch takes a while to get going but hey you know a lot of people critics me included many times say fan service is a bad thing sometimes but when fan service is done right this fanboy can't help but love it you bring back andrew garfield toby Maguire, and freaking willem dafoe especially he's scene stealer in this movie one of the best comic book villains of all time and in a franchise where marvel's villains have always been pretty weak bring back the og villain from 20 years ago who killed it back then and nearly one-ups himself this time and i think that's one thing marvel needs sometimes it's nice to have sympathetic anti-hero villains like namor sometimes it's just fun to see someone like the green goblin cause havoc just because as they say in the dark night some men just want to watch the world burn and that's just fun to watch sometimes the chaos why does every villain need to be sympathetic so i so No Way Home is a nice love letter to the Spider-Man franchise. It made this Spider-Man fan very happy. It, it showed a lot of things I've wanted to see since childhood. Took me back 20 years to... Spider-Man was one of my first ever movies that I remember watching. All the way back when it first came out. The Tobey Maguire movies were my childhood. And 
getting to relive those in a way that was actually good. And they brought back Daredevil. So that made me happy too. Just this just movie just makes me happy. Is it the best movie on this list? No, but it it stirs up m- more nostalgia in a good way that I just I can't deny I like it. Yeah. Whatever its quality is, whatever. I like it. And but number 1, I put WandaVision. This show is everything a lot of these other ones are trying to be, but it just hits it way better. It's, it's eight episodes of a Disney Plus series that actually felt like they wanted eight episodes to tell the story. They didn't have a two-hour concept that they padded. They actually used their time well in WandaVision. The, I love the, the entire premise of this show that people turn to sitcoms in, term, in times of... They turn to sitcoms for comfort. Like, how many times have you rewatched Friends? Right, you, you told me before stuff, stuff like that. We turn to sitcoms six for times. for com- six times, a ten season. To be show, fair, I was doing it, doing I was doing it for exam season. Okay, yeah, I did a lot during exam season. Return to these shows for comfort and solace. We want to go to the familiar, where the status quo resets at the end of every episode. Things are generally happier than in our world. The characters have problems they can resolve at the end of every week. The world is stable. We like the characters. We can come back like we're a part of their family. And Wanda uses this kind of world as a way to get away from grief, which it hits so hard for somebody like me who uses... I use media that way a lot myself. I'm... A lot of people would accuse me of having my head in the clouds. I'm a very, I'm not a grounded person. And I use writing as a form of escapism, writing and watching TV. So I, I kind of live in these worlds myself, nearly more than the real world many times, which a lot of people would say is a bad thing, but it gives me comfort. And so when I see want to do it in the show it's like okay so she this is appealing to somebody like me and i also because i watch so much media i get all the sitcom references i know all the shows that they're parodying i appreciate it on that level too it's just a great callback to classic shows but it's also got this cool horror element as well like i think of that first episode when the guy's choking on his food and then it goes from this stable 1950s thing to uh you know wanda's breaking the reality it's got a great mystery that builds throughout it and every episode is basically a stage of grief that she goes through and the entire show is just about grief and trying to escape from it in in way unhealthy ways that make it worse nearly for those around you and yeah. Two standout scenes for WandaVision for me is one where Agatha says to Wanda, do you want me to take that again? And there's like a silence for like a good 10 seconds. And just for watching that for the first time, you're like, what the fuck is going on? Because there's been so much buildup of just random pauses throughout the sitcom stuff. You have yeah. no idea what's happening. And then another one is when Vision finally confronts Wanda and they have that yelling match. I was like, oh my God. I thought the dialogue there was really good. 
Anyway, sorry. Yeah, so I was just saying the... A lot of these Marvel shows and movies in Phase 4, they have ideas, good ideas on paper, that, well, say Love and Thunder, for example, I think its story on paper is really good. In execution, not so much. I'll say another show like Loki, its story is really good, but they could have told it in a movie. They didn't need a miniseries to do that. A lot mm-hmm. of these also, I, I think Disney Plus advertises these shows as, well, shows. and. To me, a lot of the thing about TV is that it needs to be episodic. You have a, a lot of these miniseries that really could just be movies, but WandaVision actually felt is the only Disney Plus show that felt like an actual TV show. Every episode has a standalone story that you can come back to next week, and the world's not set from scratch like a sitcom world, but you can come back every week and kind of get a new adventure. So it used the TV format very well. So just in a meta way, the way their premise about grief told through, you know, the different stages of every episode, the premise of turning the TV for comfort, the idea of actually using it, uh, an episodic format to tell their story works in a meta way too. Just everything about this show is, is brilliant and... I just I love it so much. It just it resonates with me in a way nothing else from Phase Four has, and it also made me fall in love with Elizabeth Olsen and the Wanda character in a way that I just hadn't before. Which is why Multiverse of Madness infuriated me with how they handled her. So, yeah. So you I, do like Ralph Boner? <sighs> you bring back. I'm gonna do it again. You bring back Evan Peters. To make me think you're bringing in the X-Men. And you give me... Ralph... Boner. Screw you, Marvel. And that's... We're all leaving. Because it's funny! <laughs> <laughs> we should do one day where we rank all the MCU movies. But not this one. Not, not this, this one. phase. So, yeah, Ryan's... Sum up of... Phase 4 in general is Thanos was right. My sum up, I still think our title for close-up episode three is the best sum up. Marvel Phase 4 is a massive boner, B-O-H-N-E-R. It just feels like a very midpoint in the universe, even though it's supposed to be like the start point of the multiverse saga. Actually, I could Because I, I understand do what they're doing. I understand what they're doing. They're trying to like give the mantle all to these new characters and have them lead the new MCU, but Jesus Christ, is it sometimes, is it uninteresting? (laughs) It's boring. I think the Ralph Boner, I could probably make a whole video essay on how this, that moment is kind of the Rosetta Stone for understanding phase four. It's all about, you introduce this thing, you think people are going to love, you get expectations (laughs) set up, you, you tease the mystery, a lot of nostalgia dose hit there too. Casting someone like Evan Peters, you make them think something interesting is going to happen, string them along, and then they just give you a boner. And not in a good way. And. <laughs> Rosetta that's, Stone. That that's good. phase four for you. He was so traumatized by Ralph Boner that he became Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> you had to do Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm kidding. Oh, all right, we've been going on too long. We've been going on too Holy long. Holy shit, I just up. saw the time. That's okay. You want longer episodes? 
Me personally, I enjoy longer episodes of podcasts when I listen to them. Whenever I see an episode that's like 40 or 50 minutes, I get a little angry. But that's me personally. Anyway. Look, you, see, you know this show averages out at about an hour. So if you see we went for an hour and a half, you know yeah. we were really passionate about whatever treat. we were talking about. Yeah. You got two episodes in one. All right. Are we excited for phase five? Eh. Not really. We're excited for one thing. We are. Daredevil. Oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> we are? Even though that's been delayed, but which is probably a good thing, because if it's delayed, uh, then they're working on I don't know. I just don't care uh, anymore. I'm interested. Uh, interested in Ant-Man, maybe? I don't know. I never thought I'd see the day when a bunch of superhero movies were coming out, and I just didn't really care, but... And I think it makes me yeah. more sad. It makes me more sad now that, as I discussed on one of our, I think our House of the Dragon podcast episode, everything else I like has gotten good this year. We, you know, Star Trek got Strange New Worlds, saved it. Star Wars got Andor, for me, saved it. Doctor Who it. got Doctor Who got David Tennant back and Russell T Davies. I don't know if that'll save it, but it makes me more hopeful than I've been in years. What else? Just everything I. DC has James Gunn in charge now, which I'm excited about to see the potential of that. And they got Henry Cavill back. I'm just, I'm excited for the future of all my favorite stuff in a way that I haven't been in years, but Marvel is still, Mar Marvel's not doing it for me. And they were the one that was most consistent for so long. That makes me disappointed. But now everything else I like is on the upswing and Marvel's just slowly taking a downturn. Is that because, is that because their most interesting characters or inspiring characters just aren't the lead of MCU anymore. Maybe that's it, because... it. I just think the other things that I enjoy are going back to what made me love those things in the first place. Strange New right. Worlds is going back to the optimistic Star Trek where it's episodic exploration with a core group of characters and it's just it's focusing on standalone well-written sci-fi stories. The others were getting depressing and focusing on and just like childlike and immature and just bad sci-fi. It wasn't focusing on what made Star Trek good. Andor is focusing on the politics of Star Wars, what, how good people let fascism take over and how they can fight back against it. It's, it's going back to the core of Star Wars is fighting against fascists and the underdogs fighting big odds, whereas Star Wars was sort of becoming, you know, pander to the nostalgia, the greatest hits, always looking back and never really forward in a, in a way that builds out the lore and the characters. DC is going, was going into this dark route where... They were either trying to outright copy Marvel or play way too hard against it, go into the dark and gritty. When DC is really a more optimistic franchise as a whole, their characters are not as down to earth. They're gods, they're ideals we want to look up to. And they bring back someone like Henry Cavill's Superman in the bright colors with the curl. It signals DC's going back to what I love about DC as a brand. It's the, it's the optimistic ideals that make us want to be better people. And what was, what was the other thing I said that was, that was getting better? Doctor Who, once again, the writing was taking a downturn. It was, the sci-fi stories weren't becoming as good. It was getting too complicated. The, the companions were all just starting to feel, I don't know, they, they were interchangeable. 
the characters were boring, less defined. Just the writing was not good, but now we're getting David Tennant and Russell T. Davies back. They had very strong characters, strong sense of in-universe morality for the characters and what they represented and a bigger scope in stories. And But Marvel is... Marvel is taking the opposite approach of what I like. They're getting more complicated. Their characters are becoming the dollar store versions of all the ones that were out before. You're getting lesser versions of the character. Okay, so I'll say, for example, let me go back to what I was saying about Ironheart, right? And this is me more basing what I know about Ironheart from the comics. But I know a lot of people make this comparison is, Tony Stark is an interesting character. He's a genius, and he makes the suit, and that's very impressive. But that's about where they end with Riri Williams, at least so far as what I've seen. She's just a genius who makes the suit. That wasn't what made Stark compelling. Stark was compelling because he was a weapons dealer with a lot of guilt, and he felt he had to go overboard to atone for it by using his genius. The fact that he was a flawed guy, a, a womanizer, an alcoholic, um, a, a guy who just generally made the world worse as a privileged, rich jerk, and he has to go out of his way to atone for that, that was what made Stark interesting. Not the fact that he made the armor. Uh, let's look at somebody else like Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner was interesting. Because he had that rage inside him. He had the the Hulk was his bad side coming out. The story is about learning to control your rage and hone it for something better. If you can even. Or just keep the monster caged. Because if it gets out, you don't know what it's going to do. That's a relatable story. It's about people trying to be better. Jennifer Walters is just... Okay, she's she's a lawyer. And her powers are... She doesn't really want to use them. She gets hired because of her looks, basically. It's about the aesthetics of having a Hulk at the firm. But she's not really trying to be better with the power. She's not planning on doing anything good with them at first. And there's no downside to her having them. She just kind of... There's nothing really going on. Like, you can have relatable stories as that character, but just, it's not the same. So, that's why Marvel's, I don't know, that's why Marvel's on the downswing for me. They're just, they're getting away from character-driven stories and going more into these big concepts like the multiverse and these legacy characters who, I don't know, maybe they'll have, they'll grow on me later, but right now they just, eh. Mm-hmm. No one's like Shuri. I think they did well because they gave her a compelling motivation to keep on. I'm I'm more excited for someone like Shuri now than I was before. I'm like, okay, so like now I actually am invested in Shuri and not just the replacement of the Black Panther, which is what the other ones are. Riri Williams, I'm not interested in her. She's just the replacement Iron Man. Jennifer Walters, I'm not really interested in her. She's just the replacement Hulk. I'm interested in Shuri now. So, and that's the difference. So. Yeah, that's fair. That's completely fair. 
right. Uh, Clarify a question for Andor. Yeah. Andy Serkis. He's in it. I've seen stills. Yeah. No spoilers. Yep. Is he at all connected to his other character, Snow? Nope. Nope. Okay. Not even a little. That's interesting. Oh, so it's just Andy Serkis acting. Yep. And it's fantastic. I will watch it. I'm just... You better. I'm playing God of War right now. <laughs> Which we'll talk about in a couple weeks. All right, let's wrap it's her up. It's a 60-hour game. We've been on too I get through shit. All righty. Well, you can find me at Ryan Walker Official on TikTok and on Instagram. And you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at ThoughtPlay Media and our Facebook page of the same name. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Find further film discussion and entertainment reviews on thoughtplay.ca forward slash articles. And if you'd be so kind, you can support Thoughtplay Media on Patreon, link below. Also, be sure to leave us comments and reviews, as that's a big help. And how about clicking that like button if you enjoyed this? We hope to see you on the next Close Up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time. Wakanda forever. See ya. Can we do that? Ha <laughs>